you know, I am a, I am a very detail oriented person and which makes my perfectionism even more complicated um, because it's so easy just to get caught up in all the little details. Um, but in business, I think speed of execution is really, really important to, to long-term success and perfectionism absolutely gets in the way of that. Um, and for me, the, the thing that really stuck with me and helped me get past that perfectionism and shouldn't even say past, but work through it when it pops up is I heard somebody say, and I don't remember who it was. They said, done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. And so anytime I find myself falling back into that perfectionist trap, that's my mantra. Done is better than perfect. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I am live on the line with Tim Fitzpatrick. Tim, are you there? I am here, man. Thanks so much for having awesome. me. Yeah, glad to have you here. You said you're coming in out of uh, Denver area. Uh, and for those of you who've been following along with our journey as we travel, we are still down in the Keys. We're uh, moving up to the Everglades here shortly. Um, that's where, uh, where our business is operating out of today. And I just, uh, I probably actually still have fish guts on my hand because I was uh, fishing with my son before I came in for this interview. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's always fun. So real quick, Tim, what I want to start off with is just a very short introduction to who you are, then we can dive into your story. So um, you run Rialto Market and yes. you help uh, professional service providers and, um, you know, coaches and consultants with their marketing uh, yep. in a number of different ways. So with, uh, with that sort of, you know, very brief introduction, what is it that you're known for? Right? What is it that people come to you for? What services do you provide? That kind of stuff. Sure. We, you know, I like to tell people that we help, you know, small businesses eliminate the confusion of marketing by focusing on the fundamentals first, you know, and then we can help them put in place and manage a simple marketing plan so that they can grow. You know, I find a lot of um, marketing has has become so complex. There's all these different channels yeah. and it creates a lot of confusion for people. And when they're confused, it just makes it impossible to do anything. Um, and so I love taking things back to the fundamentals because the fundamentals lay the foundation for marketing success long-term. You know, if you, you can't expect to hit a baseball, a, a major league fastball, if you have no idea where to stand at the plate, how to stand there, how far away, get the high and high coordination down, where to hold the bat. Those are the fundamentals in any discipline don't change. Marketing is no different, but most people skip marketing fundamentals because they want to get tactical immediately, right? Oh, somebody told me I need to be on social or I need to be on TikTok. Well, those can be great channels, but if you, you have to have the fundamentals first to be able to determine what you need to do. And so we focus on that. And, you know, so we offer a mix of, done with you, so coaching services or done for you marketing services, you know, where we get into marketing consulting and then various digital marketing tactics to, or channels to help people actually implement. Yeah, yeah, and that whole marketing fundamentals thing, people, a lot of times, they, they mistake fundamentals for tactics and strategy. Absolutely. Right? And they think, they think to themselves, you know, I you know, the, the fundamentals are being on social media or doing PPC or having email marketing and not realizing that those aren't fundamentals. Those are tactics. Yes, they you are. You have to have the, the message and market match and you have to know what your offer is and you have to know, you know, how, how to speak to your customer and those kind of things. Those are uh, far more like further down the, the, the line than, uh, than, you know, 
which medium you choose to uh, get that message across with. Yeah, uh, to me, the marketing fundamentals are all about your target market. You know, who are you trying to reach? Who do you want to work with? It's having great messaging, you know, that's clear, that's engaging, and then having a marketing plan that you can actually follow, you know, and keeping in mind that the plan you start with is not the plan you're going to end with. You know, your marketing plan is constantly going to be evolving uh, as your business evolves, but you have to have some type of plan to start with. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that uh, I've noticed on, on the fundamentals is not just the messaging, but the actual like offer. The offer has to make people stop. And like, yes. yeah, they, they, they have to actually look at it, think, you know, I want, I need that in my life in some form or fashion. Yep. Absolutely. Which I think does come back to your messaging, right? What do you, what makes you different? You know, why do I, why do I want to buy it? <laughs> you know, so, but it's, so do you tend to, uh, um, be more in the uh, product space or in the service space for the companies you're working with more in the service space. So, you know, like you said, coaches and consultants, um, professional service providers. So, you know, CPAs, attorneys, um, and then home service businesses, uh, remodelers, contractors, painters, those types of folks. So people that have trade expertise or knowledge that they sell as part of their business. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what I want to find out then is sort of how you got here to running this agency, right? We talk uh, on this show about your origin story. Every good comic book hero has their origin story. It's the thing that made you into a hero, right? Were you, uh, um, were you born a hero or bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into <laughs> marketing professional services? Um, where did you start in a job and eventually, you know, become an entrepreneur? Basically, I want to know where you came from that got you to this point now where you're, uh, where you're helping businesses with their marketing fundamentals. Sure. So, I, you know, I would say that my entrepreneurial journey, uh, it didn't start at a young age. You know, some of the entrepreneurs and business owners you talk to are, you know, they were selling base car, baseball cards when they were eight. And, you know, they'd had this entrepreneurial bug early. I did not. You know, I, when I was growing up, you know, I, it was never a question that I wasn't going to go to college. So I went to college. You know, I went to UC Berkeley. I was a math major. Had no idea what I wanted to do, but figured math was, was something pretty universal. You know, it teaches you how to think, how to analyze and solve problems. And so that's what I did. I graduated, still didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, but my dad had been an entrepreneur for years. Um, and shortly before, it was about a year or two before I graduated, he had started a wholesale distribution company. And um, when I graduated, I, you know, he did not have any full-time employees in the, in that company at that point. And you know, I said to him, I knew he needed help. And I said, look, why don't I, let me help you over the summer. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let me kind of get my feet wet here, figure that out. It'll give me time to, you know, look for some jobs, figure out what I'm going to do and help you at the same time. Well, you know, that was, that was it. That was all she wrote. I, you know, so I was the first full-time employee in that company. I ran it on a day-to-day basis. I eventually became a partner in it. Man, I learned more in six months doing that than I did in four years of college. You know, it was just, yeah, I, it was just, it was an amazing experience. I loved it. It didn't feel like I was going to work every day. I was learning new things every day. And we grew that company for, it was about 10 years. We averaged about 60% a year in growth. So it was very high growth. It was dynamic and you know, I learned how to hire people, how to operate a business, how to market, how to sell, all of those things. And uh, it was amazing. We, we ended up selling that company. Um, and once we, when we got bought, I worked for the company that bought us for another three years, uh, which was an interesting experience. So I was so used to doing my own thing. We got bought by a public company. And fortunately, I was somewhat insulated from that because there were people above me. But you could still tell it was just different. It wasn't the same. Um, yeah. And when I got so when I got out of that, I, you know, actually I took some time off. I was like, what, what's my next chapter going to be here? You know, the first one was great. Loved it. Um, I had always been interested in real estate. So I decided to get involved in residential real estate. I became a realtor, figured I'd learn the real estate market that way. I could eventually, you know, invest in real estate. Um, and what I found was, man, I did not, I didn't like being in that business. It wasn't a good fit for me. You know, at three years in, I was like, man, I can't, I can't stand this. 
I hate going to work every day. I'm not enjoying it. One of the huge benefits of being in real estate was to put me out of my comfort zone all the time. So that aspect of it was really helpful for me because it got me to push myself. And you know, when I push myself, I just continue to expand my, my boundaries, but I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And to me, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, why are you, why are you doing it? So that's when I shifted gears and I got back into marketing, you know, and when I was in distribution, I loved working with our clients, which were, were businesses. We were helping them grow their businesses. And because of that, ours grew naturally from that. And so, you know, I'd always been interested in marketing. It's dynamic, it's changing, which I love. And so, you know, I got involved in marketing and that's what I'm doing today. So uh, my path was not straight. It was winding like most entrepreneurs, I think. So how long have you been running your agency then? Since uh, 2013, early 2013. Yeah. So, and I would tell you, that's not, that hasn't been a straight path either. I mean, we've had some shifts and, and pivots within our business as well, but I think those, those things happen, you know, you just have to be, you have to be open to change and willing to adapt. So I'm curious out of all those things in the story, the thing that stucks out, sticks out to me just because I've not heard, heard that happen a lot before is that being involved in the selling of a company. How, what was that process like? Uh, man, it, again, it was, I was a sponge in that case, you know, because we were, it wasn't just our company that was being bought. So we had, we owned a wholesale distribution company in Northern California. We ended up actually partnering with other distributors like ourselves um, across the country and formed another company. So when we got bought, the purchaser bought the holding company and all the other 12 distributors in it. So it was a pretty complex transaction. It was a lot of attorneys and some, you know, mergers and acquisitions people involved in it. Um, there was a lot of due diligence, you know, so there was, and at the time, you know, we, I, we couldn't say anything about it. We couldn't tell our employees because we didn't know what was going to happen. So, you know, there was about a three or four month period where I was doing a lot of backend work to provide information, you know, reports, you know, financial information, you know, when people buy your company, they want to know what they're buying. They're, they're not going to just look at the bottom line and go, Oh, okay, great. We're going to buy you. They want to know exactly what they're getting into to figure out, you know, do, are there, are there any hidden landmines here that, that we don't know about? Cause they, we sure as heck don't want to buy somebody and find out about those landmines later. So they want to know that they're getting a good value, that they're buying a business that's going to give a return that they expect. And so there was a lot of work initially there. And then once we got, purchased, there was a lot of integration, you know, there was a lot of unknowns, you know, employees were wondering, Hey, what, okay. You know, we got bought. I mean, I'm sure this is great for somebody, but what does this mean for me? You know, am I going to lose my job or things going to be consolidated and what's going to happen there? So there was a lot of communication to, you know, guide our, our teams on, Hey, this is what's happened. But here's the plan moving forward, you know? And, and so there was a lot of, of balancing there to keep our team on track and make sure that they were comfortable, you know, because, you know, fortunately we didn't get bought and they just, you know, got rid of a bunch of people. They didn't buy us for that. They bought us for the yeah. infrastructure that was there, the, you know, the niche market that we were in and we were already doing a great job. So fortunately those first, you know, two to three years, they didn't make a lot of changes. When they started to make changes, because we got bought in 2005, had a contract through 2008. In that 2008 timeframe, we all know what happened. I mean, things started to melt down. That's when they started to change things because, you know, it was a public company. They, they had to manage things based on the, the, the quarterly financials and they ended up making, I think, some a lot of decisions that may have benefited the short-term financials, but they were detrimental long-term to the business. Interesting. 
Yeah, because I know I, one of my my goals in the next you know five to ten years is to sell a couple of the companies that I'm working on. So, just fascinating to sort of hear that experience and what it's like from someone who's actually done it. Uh, I think so. there's you know there is a balance. You know if you're if you're going to build a company to sell it, you may run that company differently than if you're just building a company that's going to fund your you know your lifestyle and something that you, and it's going to be something that you really enjoy. Right. Because what a lot of business owners don't realize is, you know, their business may be cranking and they're making a ton of money, which is great. But oftentimes they're pulling out so much money and they're trying to reduce their profits at the end of the year so that they limit their taxes. That's not if you're going to sell your company, that's not the best thing for you long term. And mind you, I'm not an accountant or an attorney, but your company will sell for more if it is profitable, if it has recurring revenue, you know, and if it doesn't depend on you to make money. Those are all things yeah. that you have to keep in mind. If you don't have those things in place, you are, you are not going to maximize the sale of your business. Yeah, it's really, uh, really fascinating good, and good information to just think about for you know, our plans over the next five to 10 years. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's it was a, an amazing very- experience. Very fascinating um, set of like things that you've been through. And I'm curious if you discovered your own superpower in that experience, right? So we say every iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made by a genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, right? Which is a skill or a set of skills that either you were born with or you developed over time that sort of tie all of your other things together. It's the common thread that runs through all of your... uh, um, all of your skills and the superpower is what sets you apart and helps you um, help your clients slay their villains, so to speak. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is? I think mine is actually pretty simple and it's, it's discipline. So to me, discipline, I, I think it's the one thing that you have to have to achieve any goal that's worth having. And so, you know, my, my discipline allows me to push through roadblocks to remain focused amid noise. I mean, we know there's so much noise out there at this point. Um, and it keeps me motivated when most people are, are at the point where they're gonna give up. You know, and so I think my discipline ends up helping me. There are so many byproducts and benefits from having discipline that I benefit from, but it all stems from having that discipline to just you know, I mean, look, being an entrepreneur at times is not easy, you know, I mean, it can be incredibly rewarding, it can be incredibly fun, but it's not always easy. And if you don't have discipline, you know, that you can pull from to motivate you, um, it's, it, you won't make it, you know, and so I think my discipline is really that foundation. And then there's all kinds of benefits that come from that. So, so just talk me through discipline a little bit. What does that mean practically in your like day-to-day life? To me, it means being able to take the little steps that you need to take each and every day to get to where you want to be. Right. I mean, I work from home. I, this whole pandemic, I, you know, it hasn't been much of a change for me because I work from home. So, yeah. you know, but for a lot of people, they don't have the discipline to work from home. They sit down at their computer and they go, oh man, I got some laundry that I need to do. Or oh, maybe I should watch that show. Or oh, I got some yard work I need to do. You have to be able to sit down and say to yourself, what are, what are the essential things that I need to do today to move the needle towards where I want to go? To me, that's discipline. Because it's sometimes it, those little steps seem inconsequential. It's like, well, I took that step today. Did it really get me to where I want to go? Over time, those little steps actually have a huge impact on whether you're successful or not. And to me, that's what yeah. discipline is all about. And what, what's fascinating to me is I used to think that um, I had to take a lot of steps every day. And it was the volume of steps that mattered and not yep. the importance of the steps. <laughs> Yes. Um, and so my first several years in business, I, I was focused more on taking a large amount of steps every day um, and not really thinking about how important or whether which direction those steps were going. 
Um, and I, I struggled because of that. And it wasn't until I sort of realized that I say, like, if, if you take the right step every day, you can take one step today and then go live the rest of your life. Yeah. Right. right? And, I, and if you do that every day, it compounds really, really well. You know, one of my mentors always talks about what's the next measurable step? You know, so here's my goal, whatever that may be. What's the next measurable step I need to take? Because if you think about, I mean, thinking about larger, loftier goals and all the things that you have to do to accomplish those can be absolutely overwhelming. And, and when you're overwhelmed, then you, you can't even, you don't even know what to do. But if you break it down into the next measurable step, all of a sudden it becomes simple. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it becomes simple because you're just like, this is the next step I need to take. And once you take that step, okay, what's the next measurable step I need to take? And just, you know, it's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you take those steps and you move forward. And it's funny when you were saying that, I was like thinking through, it's like, what are my next steps? I was like, I've got people I need to follow up with. And, you know, yeah. it's like, and just, it pops things into your head when you're like, what's the next, the next important thing that you need to do to move forward? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was just on a podcast where I was being interviewed yesterday and they asked me like, what, you know, what's your uh, uh, advice to our audience kind of style question. And it was, it was, you know, you know, that next step, right? In your head, you know what it is. And it might be something you're procrastinating with or you're afraid of or whatever. And the discipline is to just do it anyways, right? Yeah. Just make it happen and take that step and, you know, then reward yourself for it. So you start giving yourself the dopamine that, you know, says, hey, taking the right steps is the, uh, uh, is a good thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I think it's important to reward yourself, right? Because if you go too long without a reward, you start to wonder, am I, is what I'm doing worth it? You know, which I haven't always been great at taking, at rewarding myself and acknowledging the small accomplishments, but I think it's important to do. Yeah, yeah. So for for me, I've I've managed that in my life by living a full time adventure, <laughs> and I was like, get my work done today, get to go play with the kids, right? Yeah, <laughs> and cool places and do cool things. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, cool. So what I want to talk about next then is the flip side of the superpower, right? So every Superman has his kryptonite, or Wonder Woman has their bracelets of victory they can't remove without going mad. Um, so in your business, you probably have a flaw that's held you back, something you've struggled with. For me, it was things like perfectionism that kept me from shipping, right? Or lack of self-care, which at some point I let my clients walk all over me. Um, or being yeah. <laughs> a, a visionary, um, but lacking the discipline, like you mentioned, to implement the important things on a day-to-day -day basis. But yep. I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you learned to rectify it? Um, so people who are listening might struggle, struggle with the same thing, could learn something from you. Yep. I, so I, I've, I've, I'm, I got plenty of flaws, man. Um, but I think the one, the one that I will focus on today is, is one you just mentioned, which is perfectionism. You know, I am a, I am a very detail oriented person and which makes my perfectionism even more complicated um, because it's so easy just to get caught up in all the little details. Um, but in business, I think speed of execution is really, really important to, to long-term success. And perfectionism absolutely gets in the way of that. Um, and for me, the, the thing that really stuck with me and helped me get past that perfectionism, and shouldn't even say past, but work through it when it pops up, is I heard somebody say, and I don't remember who it was, they said, done is better than perfect. Done is better than perfect. And so anytime I find myself falling back into that perfectionist trap, that's my mantra. Done is better than perfect. You know, it's, if, that doesn't mean that, you, that I put out substandard work, right? Or anybody that's not a perfectionist puts out substandard work. It's far from that. But it's no different than, think about the, the software industry. It's a perfect example. You know, Microsoft puts out, you know, a new version of Word. Is it perfect? No, it's not. It's never perfect. There are always bugs. There are always added improvements. Does that mean that it's worthless? No, it's still a very valuable program. But what they're doing is they put it out there and then they monitor it. 
and they create bug fixes, they add improvements to it, and just continually perfect it along the way. You know, and so that's how I, that's how I look at it, right? Is when I have something that I need to work on, I get it to a point where I think that it has value, it's a valuable product or service, and I st I've put it out there and I start using it, learn from it, and then perfect it along the way. Absolutely. And that's it, yeah. you know? So it's, I just, when right. I find myself falling back, done is better than perfect. Is this good? Are people gonna see value in this and still get value from it, even though it's not perfect? If I can say yes to that, then damn, I need to move. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got two things that I I uh, um, I do for my my perfect well three, uh, my perfectionism problem, um, and so the first one um, is actually it's a mindset that's similar to the done is better than perfect, but it it, it struck home a little harder for me, um, and it was a, a friend of mine, and she said uh, that perfectionism is the lowest standard you can hold yourself to, uh, because it doesn't exist, right? So right. Right, you can't you can't hold yourself to perfectionism, so you're holding yourself to nothing. So it's yeah. the lowest standard you can hold any of your work to is perfection. Um, and she's like, so you have to come up with a better standard, right? And that's where yeah. like done is better than perfect is a better is a better standard, right? It's done. Um, yeah. So for me, my standard, and this is the second part, is when it comes to shipping a product or a service, I want uh, I want my uh, and, and this is just because um, because I, I work in an ROI style industry is I want I want the ROI of product to be three to ten times what they invest in it. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to yep. figuring out how to, to how to put the offer together and how to talk about it and how to actually like enumerate the value because sometimes the value is not monetary. Um, but I want that I want that ROI to be there. So when someone looks at it, the uh, um, the ROI speaks for itself. Right. Yeah. And um, and that helps me get to the point like, hey, I've hit my ROI goal in terms of value exchange, then I can ship. Um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfect yet because I don't know what perfect is. Um, and then my uh, my third little self hack is uh, once I started hiring and bringing on staff, realizing that like if I could take the last step out of like clicking publish or turning it on or whatever the thing is or hitting send um, and get that onto someone else and then it's not me, then I don't have. I don't, I don't have to get squirrely about maybe I could change some things or fix some things or make right. it a bit better. Cause I just say, say like, Hey, it's ready to go. So if someone else, you're in charge of publishing it. And then, you know, that's their job is to publish it. And then I'm like, Out. yeah, <laughs> you know, the other thing that I also keep in mind too, is that nobody expects you to be perfect. So why, why should you expect that of yourself? So, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's you just it's gotta, you gotta really get it out there and, and, uh, and there's some fascinating psychology behind that, where if you actually appear perfect, um, you appear fake, right? Yes. So, so with uh, uh, even if like we do we do ecom stuff, um, and we have uh, have you know like reviews on products. If you have a hundred percent positive reviews, your sales will tank. Yes. Right. right? People don't because see it as authentic. Expect, yeah. People expect like eighty percent positive reviews, and where like if you have no douche nozzles who purchased your product and left horrible reviews, you're not real. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, we get that question all the time when we talk to clients about, you know, putting in a review system and they're like, well, what if I get bad reviews? Well, that's okay. The bad reviews it'll, lend it'll credibility to all the other ones. And if you're getting too many bad reviews, you have some internal issues, you know, some delivery issues, your product issues, something that you need to fix. So don't be afraid of getting that information because it's going to help you do better. Absolutely. So yeah, that's a, that's a, a cool point. Hopefully uh, people are listening, understand that, right? That the, uh, cause it's, I think people miss that, is that how important it is to, um, to just sort of have, you know, like, like you can't have perfection. Nope. Uh, and if you are, um, you know, you're, it'll, it'll hurt you if you're striving for it. Um, but then it also, like when people are actually looking at you and considering you and they see that, hey, they have problems and you get that negative review and you respond positively to it, that positive response does more for you than the uh, positive reviews do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, cool. So my next question for you then is uh, about your common enemy. 
right? And this is, you know, in the comic book world, it's your arch nemesis. Yeah. Um, and it's a thing that you constantly, that heroes have to fight against in their world, right? So in the world of business, it takes a lot of forms, but generally speaking, it's in the context of your clients, right? The people that hire you. And it's a mindset or a flaw that you're constantly have to fight to overcome so that you can get them better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results, right? And if you had your magic wand and, you know, every time they hired you, you could just bop them on the head and you wouldn't have to deal with that. What is, what is that common enemy or your arch nemesis in your business? Yeah. I, for, for us, it's, it's the mindset that marketing is an expense and not an investment. Okay. And, you know, so most business owners want to get tactical with their marketing immediately. You know, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we jumped on where it's, you know, most people come to us and they're, they, they feel like they already know what they, they need. You know, my website's not converting well, or I need to be on social, or I need to start putting a podcast together. Um, they want to jump immediately. just came out with advertising. I have to advertise on TikTok, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, oh God, I hear Reddit advertising is the, new, the next best thing. It's the next gold. But the problem is you, you, if, if people view marketing as an expense, it's something that they can cut. And so oftentimes when people come to us and they want to get tactical and they expect to see absolutely immediate results, they're not committed to the long term. And to me, if you're going to be successful with your marketing long term, you have to see it as an investment. It is like the 401k contribution that comes out of your paycheck each and every month that you put back into your business. Marketing is not a light switch that you can turn on and on. It is a flywheel. It takes a while to get it rolling, but once it gets rolling, as long as you keep feeding that, that wheel, it is going to work, it is gonna feed your business, it will grow your business. But if you stop that flywheel, you can't start it right back up again, you yeah, know? You and so momentum building process. Yeah, it's, it's that momentum. And so that is what we have, we battle with, I would say with prospects, because we don't typically tend to work with clients that don't view marketing as an investment because they're not going to be good clients for us long-term. Yeah, and yeah. frankly, they're not going to be happy. You know, I want to like, work with people that have realistic expectations. And if they have expectations that I think are not realistic and they aren't willing to change those, then that's not going to be a good fit for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the metaphor that popped in my head while you were talking was, uh, um, so, you know, like you, you know, you live in Denver, you're familiar with snow when you make a yes. snowball and you roll it down a hill, uh, yep. it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until it stops. And then it just falls apart. Yep. Right. Cause it'll, it'll crush itself under its own weight. And yep. that's like uh, marketing does that. If you stop the momentum, it'll just fall apart. Yeah. You can't stop. Once you start, if you want to continue to get results, you have to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, like our, our uh, push button podcast business that we run uh, is all about building a content marketing machine. And it's a, we struggle with a, a similar type thing where people are like, I know I need to be in content marketing, right? Because they see all the big businesses doing it, right? Apple does content marketing. Tony yep. Robbins does content marketing. Gary Vaynerchuk does content marketing. Like they have, they have a content marketing machine in place. Um, and so when you look at big, big businesses, they're like, I want to have that. And they think, well, I'm going to get started with a podcast or article writing or, you know, a Facebook live show or whatever it is, whatever the tactic is. And they're like, well, I did it for four weeks or three months. And like, I don't like, I'm not rich yet, or I don't have a huge audience yet. I'm like, you know, content marketing, like any other marketing is, it's a long-term play. Yes. Right? It's a, uh, it's a, what is it, you know, what is, what does your audience look like in three or four years when you're everywhere all the time? Yeah. Right. Um, and <laughs> That's the, the challenge. Have, the clients I have that have done that have big businesses. Yep. Right. And the clients that don't, that give up, don't. That's the thing. It's so, um, with content, and as you mentioned, a lot of things in marketing take time. You know, you can do paid ads, you know, to generate more immediate leads. And paid ads is a great way to bring in leads while you're investing in things that take more time. Which, you know, most people don't have the patience to invest in content marketing. But like you said, man, it's, it can be absolutely, it can blow your business up, but not in the first year. You know, it's, I, I have, I've heard so many podcast hosts say, you know what, 
my podcast is great for my business. If I had looked at my podcast numbers the first year, I would have quit. Yeah. I would have quit, but I am so thankful that I didn't because I reached that point of critical mass where it started really driving my business. And so you, you have to think long-term. I think having a long-term vision in running a business is so important yeah. because if you run things on the short term, you're always going to make business decisions that they're not always going to negatively impact your business, but they're a lot of them are probably not going to be in the best interest of your company long-term. Yeah. And I know even, even looking at like our content marketing plan, which, you know, this podcast is a part of our content marketing plan yeah. for push podcasts. And when we first started the podcast, A, I didn't have a revenue model to go with the business. I just had a message I wanted to get across. And, um, you know, so I had all these things going and like, I didn't have everything in place. And like, if I looked at, and I did, like I looked at my numbers like eight months in, um, or, you know, three months in, four months in, five months in from everything that we're doing, I'm like, it's kind of disappointing. I had to look, it's disappointing. Yes. But like, we're, we're 150 episodes in and a year and a half in, um, and the clients that we're generating out of our efforts now actually pay for everything. Yeah. Uh, and by everything, like our whole lifestyle, everything we're doing, including our team and all that kind of stuff. And we're just getting started. Um, you know, cause, cause we're looking at this as a, you know, a 10 year plan for the business and having the content marketing be a central part of growing that. Um, and you know, it works out nicely for us cause we're also helping sell content marketing. So it's a good internal case study for our clients, but to your point, it's, it's a long-term play and it has to be a long-term play. Um, and you know, I, I've run into that a number of times. It's like, how do you help your clients understand that, Hey, you're looking at, um, you, you will vastly overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and vastly yes. underestimate what you can accomplish in 10. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and I, you know, the way I handle it is I just, you know, I'm upfront with the client. It's like, look, if you want to invest in this, um, I think it could be, I think it, it'll be great for your business, but it, you have to invest in it long-term, you know, and if you're not willing to do that, then, you know, we probably shouldn't do it, you know, because yeah. I don't, it's so easy for people to forget that initial conversation, right? And if they decide to move forward with it and in four months, they're not happy because they're not getting Record. the results they expect. Exactly. They just forgot about the conversation that I had with them four months ago, you know, and then it's, it's our, it's our problem. So I, I would just rather head that off the pass and tell people don't do it. Um, but you can look at all these other examples that are out there and they're being successful. They're seeing success with this, but they didn't see success with this in, you know, six months or nine months or 12 months. There's always outliers, right? I mean, people that already have a huge following can do this type of stuff and see more immediate results. But for most people, if you don't have a huge following at this point, it is going to take time to build that. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a client once, one of my first first clients had a 20,000 person viewership on YouTube every week uh, already. And I sat down with them and then like 24 hours after we worked on a product, like we launched into his marketplace and you know made 24 grand in sales. Yeah. Right. It was, it was like an overnight kind of thing. And he was like, Holy crap. And I was like, well, you, you have one of the three ingredients. You have an audience who trusts you. <laughs> exactly. All we had to do was put an offer in front of them. They already wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his, his problem was he wasn't putting out a good offer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, you have an audience who knows, likes and trust you. That's like half the battle. Yep. <laughs> That's one that takes forever. And he, I mean, he'd been doing that for years. Like, I think it was like nine years that he'd been building the, the thing and not doing anything, any sort of monetization with it. Um, and over the course of the next 12 months, I mean, we um, we did $250,000 in revenue from his audience. Yeah. Uh, and so I mean, did a quarter million dollars in sales. And it was just a matter of like learning how to plug in some of the stuff that goes along with having an audience that knows, likes, to trust you. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. Okay, so the flip side then of uh, your common enemy is uh, your driving force, right? So common enemy is something you fight against. Your driving force is what you fight for. So just like Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information, what is it that you fight for at Rialto Marketing? My, my mission uh, is, is to make a positive lasting impact on the lives that I touch, whether it's you know personally or professionally. So that's what 
gets me out of bed every day, keeps me pushing forward. Um, you know, it's a pretty simple one, but you know, when we, no matter how small of an impact, if I can have an impact each and every day, I feel like I'm doing something good in the world. And, you know, when we can sit down with a client who doesn't know what to do with their marketing, they're confused, but they want to grow and we can help them put those fundamentals in place, lay that foundation and create that plan that we're now executing and their business is growing and it's helping them accomplish their goals. To me, it's, that's why I do what I do. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. It's uh, I call that the, uh, the ripple effect, right? When you, uh, um, when you do your work, it impacts more than, more than just the person that you're doing the work for. Yes. Um, All people they're working with and everything else. Uh, I mean, you know, as entrepreneurs, we can impact so many more people than I think some of us believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, you get to be, you know, to use the theme of our show, you get to be a hero in those people's lives, right. And help them accomplish their goals. Um, and as they accomplish their goals, because of the way capitalism works, right. It's value for value Yep. that they're, you know, when you help another business succeed, you're helping them provide a lot of value to their clients, their customers. And so on yep. and so forth. So. Yeah. So you're having a huge impact when you do good. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Cool. So then I want to move on to the practical portion of our show, um, which, uh, you know, is, I call it the hero's tool belt. And just like every superhero has a tool belt with awesome gadgets, like, you know, batarangs or web slingers or laser eyes, <laughs> um, or, you know, a big magical hammer like Thor. Um, I want to, uh, talk about one, top one or two tools you couldn't live without in your business. It could be anything from your notepad to your calendar, your marketing tools, product delivery, anything that you think is absolutely essential, essential that you use every day to get the job done. Sure. Uh, I, I have two. So the first one is called Loom, L-O-O-M. Yeah. If you go to loom.com, it's a screen capture software. It is so darn easy to use, but I use this every single day. We have remote people. I use it to provide them with instructions on what I need to have done. I use it for prospecting when I'm reaching out to clients so that they can actually see me and hear me. Um, I use it with existing clients, you know, to communicate what's going on and what we're doing. Um, I use it to create standard operating procedures, you know, so film myself doing something, walk through it. Loom is amazing. It's free. I'm on the paid version. Even the paid version is like $10 a month. It is worth a hundred times that. So that is one of my favorite tools. The second one is a is I think it's pretty common, but it's just G Suite. I mean, we run our entire business off of G Suite. I mean, email, Google Drive, Doc, Sheets, Slides. Yeah, uh, yeah. Couldn't do it without it. So, those are those are my two. So my uh, I I I don't I don't love Loom as much as other people. I'm not sure why. It's always just sort of bothered me. I actually use uh, I use a competitor um, called ScreenFlow, which is an app on the computer. Okay. Uh, and uh, and upload them into my G Suite. Actually, upload all the videos, and I just I have a subtle little automatic button that does that. Uh, but the uh, there's not nothing against Loom. All of my friends use Loom, and I'm just like for whatever reason, I just like my other app better because I'm more comfortable with it. But either way, the uh, the the whole idea of being able to record your screen and record your face, um, and you know, particularly with like recording standing standard operating procedures where you walk yeah. through how to do a thing. And then have you know have a staff member or something actually write out the process for it and create create yes. processes is such a huge huge thing in your business that like if you're if you're watching this or listening to us and you haven't like taken the five minutes like break down your processes into little five minute chunks and record them and then have someone take the transcription of your recording and turn them into actual documentation for your business uh, that's probably been one of the biggest wins that I've had in my business. I'm not sure how how that's been for you, but getting things documented has been huge. Yeah, it's. It's game changing. Um, and, and as you pointed out, Richard, to me, I don't think it really matters what the screen capture software is, as long as it's easy for you to use. Yeah. There's a ton of them out there. Loom is the one I use. You know, before that, I was using Screencast-O-Matic. Um, there's a bunch of them. Just find one that you like and works for how start you work. Recording things. It, yes, and start doing it today. It will. It will change your life. And because, you know, as you pointed out, if you don't have standard operating procedures within your business, you're never going to be able to pull yourself 
out of your business. Your business will always be dependent on you. And to me, that's not a business. You just created yourself a job. Yeah, I have a, a friend of mine who runs a podcast called Five Minutes to Freedom. Uh, okay. And the whole, whole concept is about taking whatever you're doing. And it's like, if you can take five minutes to explain a process and you can get it documented, then you never have to do it again. Right. Yep. And that's how, that's how you get a, uh, you get freedom in your business. Um, and also it's how you get yourself out of doing all of the things that aren't those important steps we talked about earlier. earlier. Yes. Right. So you can start working on, Hey, I need to do these, the big wins. Yep. Uh, so. <laughs> totally agree. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro-celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So my next question for you then is about your own personal like heroes, right? So every hero has their mentors, right? Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, um, Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Who were some of your heroes? Were they uh, real life mentors, speakers or authors, peers for maybe a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? Yeah, uh, so as I mentioned, earlier, you know, my, I was in business with my dad for 12, 13 years. So, you know, early on, he really was, he was my mentor. He was the person that really gave me the entrepreneurial bug. Um, and I learned so much by watching him do business, you know, for him, you know, his, his reputation and his integrity were so important. And, and I watched him live that out as he did business. Sometimes he made really tough decisions um, based on those values, but having integrity and, and, and a solid reputation allowed him to build amazing relationships with people that, that drove his, his success, you know? And so I've never, ever forgot that, you know, and I really got to see a different side of him, you know, I was used to seeing him at home, you know, when I got to see him in business, um, it was just an amazing side to, to see. And I really did. I looked up to him. I modeled the things that he did because I, you know, I saw him doing great things. Um, the other people that I learned so much from were our other distribution partners. You know, earlier I mentioned to you, we, we were in business with 11 other distributor owners and all of those owners, I was the youngest person in that room by 15 years minimum. So I just sat in that room like a sponge and man, it was just every time I walked away from watching them, listening just with so much information, what I learned by being involved with them and, and just paying attention to what they were doing has, I mean, it shaped my entire career. It's, I mean, it's formed yeah, who I am awesome. today. So uh, and it's, it's cool to have, have opportunities like that. I, I worked in a uh, corporate environment for a couple of years where the, uh, um, the, I, I reported directly to the president of the company who had worked herself up from the bottom. 
um, of the company as like a sales rep all the way to the president of the company. So he was like, it was really cool to sort of sit under his tutelage. And then the uh, CEO of the company was um, on the board of directors for 12 other companies and like had made his fortune in the Microsoft days. And um, so like yeah. getting to, to go into all the C-level meetings and sit next to him and like listen to him talk about like, here's where we are and here's where we're going and here's the metrics that matter and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and knowing that like he does this every day for all of these multi-million dollar companies uh, that it was like, like the, this guy knows his shit. Yes. <laughs> and if you're, you're like, to be able to just sit and learn from people like that is such a cool opportunity. It's, dude, it's one that I don't take for granted. You know I mean? I've certainly learned a lot from, you know, all the information that's out there, books, you know, podcasts, all of those things are, have so much value, but man, it's not, to me, it's, it's not a substitute for that one-on-one -on -one interaction that I had early on in my, in my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. I, I can I can say pretty much without a doubt that the most impactful things that have happened in my business have been one on one with someone who is farther ahead than I am, yeah. where they had the uh, I don't know what you call it the wisdom to call me out and tell me something that I needed to fix or change or improve. Yeah. Uh, and from someone you know who's where I want to be, and then me having the guts to actually listen to them and and uh, and take yep. action on those things have always been the most impactful things. Well, and if you think about it, to bring this back to the whole, to the comic book theme, those people are your are your guide, right? Every hero has has a guide, like you just talked about Frodo and Gandalf. I mean, the guide has already been where the hero is right now. They know exactly how to solve your problem. You just have to listen to them and follow their directions yeah yeah i, re I remember very vividly one of my uh, uh one of my mentors it was a couple of years ago and we were, we were chatting and going through some things and you know i was up uh, we get together yearly and do a like a group teaching thing where we all teach something from our business to the other people in the in the room um, and i got down after my teaching thing and he was like you're doing some really cool stuff and he's like you have a problem here he's like if you make this change it'll you'll fix it and and i remember thinking to him like like, I can't do that. Like, there's no way I could make that happen. And I, I struggled with it for like six weeks, but I knew that he had results in that area that I didn't have. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be there. And I finally, I just bit the bullet and did it anyways. <laughs> um, and realized like immediately, like on the other side, I was like, oh, not only could I do it, but I should have done it sooner. And if I just listened to him when he told me, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it yeah, be better, See, but, you know, it's because they have perspective you don't have. Uh, absolutely. So. Sometimes we're so in our business, it's hard to see the forest through the trees. We need those, those outside eyes. And oftentimes when people give you those outside eyes and you're like, how can I not see that? Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's my, my, my best metaphor for it is uh, something I tell my kids all the time. Uh, you know, we have our rules posted up on the refrigerator, the house rules. We get seven of them. Uh, and the first rule on there is obey the first time. Right. And, and I always tell my kids, I was like, you're always welcome to question my authority, but you'll do it after you obey. Right. Yeah. The, reason, <laughs> the reason is because if I tell you to stop in the middle of the road, it's because I see a truck coming that's going to run you over. And if you don't stop, you'll die. Right? Yes. I have perspective you don't have. So I expect you to obey me first. And then you can ask me later, why did you tell me to stop daddy? And I'll tell you, well, there's a truck coming. Right. And I didn't want you to die. <laughs> Um, and so like with that, that's a really simplified version of it. But when you have someone who's been where you want to be, they have perspective you don't have. Yeah. Right. And they can see things that you can't see because of their perspective. Yeah. So, um, that's, a <laughs> my thoughts on that. No, I love it. Cool. So, uh, my next question for you, um, is about your guiding principles, right? It's one of the things that, uh, make heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Right. For instance, Batman never kills his enemies. He only ever puts them in Arkham Asylum. So as we wrap up the interview, I'm going to talk about the top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you'd known when you first started out on your own entrepreneurial journey. Sure. Uh, the first one is take responsibility for, for my actions. So I, not only is this a principle for me, but it drives me nuts when I see people not take responsibility for their own actions. You know, so it's just... It's how I live my life. If I make a mistake, I'm going to own it. I'm going to learn from it and I'm going to move on. 
The second one is never stop learning. You know, one of my early mentors told, said to me, the day you stop learning is the day you start dying. And I believe that came from Albert Einstein originally. Um, but it just having that mindset and living my life based on that principle, just it, it helps me continually improve and get better. It keeps me engaged and interested in what I'm doing. Um, and it just, it keeps me young at heart. You know, I just got that constant thirst for knowledge. So. Yeah. The, uh, that, that first one about taking responsibility. Um, I had a, a mentor of mine when I was really young, um, sometime in high school, he mentioned that if it's not your fault, you can't fix it. Right. Yep. And yeah, it's like, he's like taking responsibility for something is taking all of the power in the situation. Right. And giving up yep. the responsibility is giving up all the power in the situation. And yes, it so is. if you want to be powerful <laughs> um, and be in control and be able to change the outcomes, you have to take responsibility. Right. And it's a it's it's just a mental shift where you realize that taking responsibility isn't a negative. It's it's a massive positive. Um, it absolutely is. So many people are afraid of taking responsibility. It's so much easier to push the blame onto somebody else. But like you pointed out, if you, if you just push the blame, then you can't, you, it's not going to change. Can't fix it. <laughs> you can't fix it. Um, and, you know, even with, uh, with my clients, and I screw up regularly. Um, even if it's like my team that has screwed something up. Um, I always, I was like, hey, nope, that's, that's my fault, right? Either I didn't communicate something well, or um, I didn't follow up the way that I should have, or I legitimately screwed something up. Like, and I own that. I go to the client, be like, hey, here's what happened. Here's how I, I, I failed you in this instance and how we can fix it in the future. Uh, and people appreciate that, right? Uh, Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and it, uh, you know, to, to the point that we talked about earlier, even your clients don't expect you to be perfect. No. <laughs> if you were perfect, no, you wouldn't be real. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, um, and on the second point, the uh, the learning, um, I had, I can't remember who it was that said, said this to me, but it was uh, uh, that a a fruit, once it has stopped ripening, starts to rot. Yes, it does. Right? So if you stop ripening, if you stop growing, then you start rotting, which I think is, you know, the same sort of concept as, uh, you know, if you stop learning, you start dying. Yep. Uh, and uh, the other the other sort of uh, mental picture I always had for, for that is uh, sharks. Um, sharks have to constantly move. If they stop moving, they yeah. like they die. Um, yeah. And that's always like I've always wanted to to have that sort of um, I don't know what you call it, like that that feeling of like always moving and pushing something. So one of the things that um, uh, what do you call it that I've always done is even with outside of my business is try to pick up new skills. Right. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, like I started going through picking up piano um and it was just you know i got to a point where i was good enough that i was like hey i've learned this skill pretty well um and i move on and i was like a couple last year it was uh, i got into drawing and then over the pandemic it was uh um, I, I started learning a uh, black letter calligraphy all right and they're just like they're just like ways to disconnect from the business but it's always like it's a skill that's hard right and i have to learn how to do it to, to just like exercise that learning muscle um, and of course, you know, you do all the stuff in your business too, like learning how to hire people and grow and like reading the books and take care of all that stuff. But like, I always like to have something outside of the business that I'm learning how to do. Um, so keeps anyway, things interesting. A, yeah. It keeps your life fun. Yep. That's it. <laughs> cool. So that's basically a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge I call the hero's challenge. Um, and we do this to help us get access to basically stories I might not otherwise find um, so the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why should they come share their story on our show? First name that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I love this question. Um, I have a young woman in my network on LinkedIn by the name of Jordan. She um, started a medical log company um, that, that she created as a result of her health and, and well-being journey after having brain surgery. Um, she's amazing, man. She's in her early 20s. Her story is absolutely captivating. She'd be a fantastic person to talk to. Awesome. So we'll uh, reach out afterwards, see if we can uh, yeah. connect with her and get her on the show. 
Uh, but in comic books, there's always the crowd at the end of, you know, their act of heroism to clap and cheer for the hero. Um, <laughs> so in place of that, what I want to do as we close is find out where people can find you, where they can light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Tim, I'd really like to get your help with my business. Uh, and I think more importantly than where they can go to do that is who are the right types of people to reach out and say, hey, you know what, Tim, I really, I really could use your help. Yep. Uh, so the best place to find us is rialtomarketing.com. It's R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. I did put together some free resources for your audience about the marketing fundamentals to help lay that foundation. So if they go to rialtomarketing.com forward slash hero dash show, they can get that information. Um, you know, on the, the typical clients that we help best are, you know, we've talked about this a little bit is people that are selling their trade expertise or their knowledge, you know, so coaches and consultants, professional service providers like CPAs or attorneys or home service businesses, remodelers, contractors, those types of folks. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that is basically it. And if you are listening to this and you are in one of those spaces, I definitely encourage you to reach out to Tim. I mean, you've heard over the course of this interview, he definitely knows what he's talking about. So make sure you reach out and uh, pick up some of those resources and learn a little bit about the uh, marketing fundamentals. We'll make sure the link is in the show notes. Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Before I hit this uh, stop record button, do you have any uh, final words of wisdom for the audience? No, just thanks. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I enjoyed chatting with you and, uh, everybody that's listening just take that next measurable step absolutely thank you for coming on today Tim